This is Fragmented Reality, a digital bulletin podcast designed to bust the buzzwords that dominate enterprise technology. My name is Romilly Broad, and for this episode, I travel to a hackathon hosted by Microsoft in London concerning AI in healthcare. The event was co-hosted by ICS AI, and I took my clutch of eggs, each containing an industry buzzword, and put them to Martin Neal, co-founder and CEO of ICS AI, and his friend and accomplice, cardiothoracic surgeon, Neil Howe. We are in central London right now in Microsoft's Reactor facility, which I believe is in, where are we, Shoreditch in London? Shoreditch, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a facility that, that Microsoft has to, to foster engagement with a, a more of a startup community, I believe, to come up with new ideas and new thoughts around various different areas. But today, specifically, um, we are here to talk about healthcare and the application of AI in healthcare. And joining me uh, today on the opposite side of this table, taking a break from the activities, which is a, a kind of hackathon type arrangement, are uh, two uh, esteemed uh, leaders from ICS AI, which is a, a leader in the AI field in all sorts of areas, particularly around public sector, but especially in healthcare. Um, we've got uh, Martin Neal, CEO. Hello. Hello. And we've also got Neil Howell. Is it doctor? It, well, I, yes, it is doctor, but I'm also a, a practicing surgeon, so, so Mr. has been the sort of historical it, well, that was the thing, phrase. Yeah. The reverse snobbery for when the <laughs> Barber College of Surgeons were not allowed to become doctors in the 18th century. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. I was wondering. So I, was, I wasn't quite sure whether to introduce you as doctor or, or mister, but mister is the way it should be. It's the way it should be, but uh, I'm, I'm okay. easy on these things. Before, before we get into this is fragmented reality, and this is where we bust a few buzzwords for fun. Before we get into that, it would be great to know a bit more about ICS and about, about you guys. Um, uh, Martin, perhaps tell us a bit about ICS and what you're achieving here today with Microsoft around the healthcare industry and AI. Yeah, so we're helping people from the healthcare sector, uh, typically NHS trusts, to basically understand what digital assistants can do for them, how easy it is to create them. So we're going through a hands-on exercise where they are creating their own chatbots and we are scoring them and integrating them into a platform. Excellent. And so, um, Neil, you're, um, you're not one for programming chatbots on a daily basis as opposed to... Uh, being a doctor, so how how what brings you into this in this to this arena in connection with ICF? So, I've been interested in digital health for a long time. A lot of my PhD uh, uh, used uh, sort of uh, used data, produced clinical risk models, uh, and I've known Martin for a number of years now, ever since my wife managed to roll her Volvo XC90 into his brand new Porsche GT3 snapping the spoiler <laughs> off the car and and for some reason that ended up being a combination of my fault for being in a different country and Martin's fault for having the audacity to park his new car on his own drive <laughs> so, right so the that's how you. Yeah, that's how the, the business relationship began. That's really. uh, all good relationships we find are founded on smashed cars. Yes, excellent. <laughs> and um, and it's been interesting talking to to Martin over a number of years, uh, and he has obviously shared his experience in business uh, as a you know as a, as a long-standing sort of gold Microsoft partner, uh, and his you know recent 
sort of developments in, in artificial intelligence uh, software. Um, and it's something I, you know, I've, I've followed quite closely. And over the last year or two, talking to him, I've just been blown away by the developments that are now available for, for commercial companies to develop and use. And it's been fascinating working with Microsoft to see sort of tools that they're producing and you know for us to help advise them on on the sorts of things that are going to be useful um, and it's been you know it's been really great being able to you know to, to provide consultancy advice to ICS about you know about the ways this amazing technology could really be integrated into into healthcare in general to try and address some of the problems of complexity and scale that traditional uh, traditional solutions have just never been able to do. Um, yeah, Neil. Really Neil's always. It seems to me, Neil, you've always had an eye to you know solving problems and the the, the bigger solutions. Um, so, it, you know, our discussions around what this what this technology could potentially do it's, it's, has been has been fascinating. And, and now you're working, you know, with us, applying this into healthcare scenarios. It, it's sort of really brought it to life, frankly. No, thank you. And, you know, we have some you know, very big ideas about how this technology could really generate, you know, superbly interesting uh, applications in, you know, all the way up to sort of, you know, whole neural networks running hospitals. But I think more realistically what we've done is we've worked out a journey that healthcare organisations can take which allows them to dip their toe in the water with some really pretty straightforward manifestations of AI uh, to allow them to slowly and gently build upon that journey, you know, with actually relatively limited risk to them, to potentially undertake a whole strategic transformation of their of the way they run their hospitals. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I see this technology being absolutely revolutionary in the whole way that that doctors practice medicine. And you'd apply that to obviously your. Uh, a surgeon. I, I, what kind of surgeon are you? You can say it much better than me. Yeah, no. So, so my my, my training's been in in cardiothoracic surgery, and my interests have been in sort of surgery for end stage heart failure with uh, with heart transplantation. Right. So obviously, I know nothing about this, but that sounds like the really serious end of of medicine. And and you think that this actually for you and everyone else involved in the in provision of healthcare is going to be impacted? Yeah, I, th I think there's lots of things that we are. We, we know we should be doing differently in medicine. We know we should be trying to provide the same standard of care for medicine for every person who presents to every hospital in the United Kingdom. You know, we know what best standard evidence of level of care is. We know we should be running regular clinical audit and quality improvement programs to make sure care is up to that standard and we know we should be constantly trying to improve the level of cares that we offer but to do that requires such a depth of knowledge of what we're actually doing it needs a depth of knowledge of what we should be doing and it needs ongoing processes to compare these two together to actually drive that quality agenda forward and and put simply at the moment you know, that relies on huge amounts of manpower, digging out that information and manually auditing what we do. And I think a lot of what we're trying to propose AI can do is actually to try and automate this whole process of quality improvement so we, you know, so, so we know what we should be doing and, and, and it actually drives that forward itself. Brilliant. Well, I should just drop in a note here that we will be uh, publishing... Uh, a, a great big interesting insightful article at least I hope I hope it will be for people to read uh, much more about this about ICS about healthcare about the applications of AI and so on 
Right now, however, uh, this is fragmented reality where we want to take you completely out of any any relevant things like that and ask you to, to dig out some buzzwords from our uh, our bowl of joy, or in this case, a, a sort of strange. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a, a framework that we've that Microsoft have unwittingly provided us, uh, us with today. Pointless geometrical vase, isn't it? It's a, a geometric vase of some sort. Anyway, we've got a collection of eggs, and in each egg is uh, a, a buzzword, a hashtag that you might be able to find uselessly deployed by uh, some salesperson somewhere on some piece of social media, and uh, we would like your honest opinion, even if you don't know what it is. So I don't know who wants to go first. Martin, uh, how about you? Let, let me try, and I'll, I'll choose a pink one here for uh, pink my daughter would prefer it. Okay, to be a blue one so. next time, I imagine. Uh, what have we got here? DevOps. <laughs> you picked you pick the most specific one. So I'll just take a little pause for the sound effect. There we go. We'll put a sound effect in there. Um, do you have any kind of opinion on DevOps at all? Well, without it, you'd have a mess, basically. So DevOps is just essentially a set of processes and procedures to make sure your development team don't waste their time, do a bunch of pointless, expensive things, and end up producing applications that fail to deliver results in Iowa, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might benefit from that. So, um, and what applications of DevOps have you found in the operating theatre? None. <laughs> and there we go. Right. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, would you like to pick an egg? Go for the blind lucky dip. Augmented reality. That they, they we've, everyone's got an opinion about that. It's going to transform and revolutionise the world, or it's basically irrelevant. What do you think? Augmented reality. That's that's the uh, that's the reality I go to when I go home to my three daughters when I have absolutely no idea what anyone in my entire household is talking about. <laughs> um, so I think the idea of overlaying uh, a digital world on top of a real world, uh, I think, is is terribly exciting. Um, Certainly, I, I can see uh, specifically uh, in in surgery, uh, this sort of approach, I think, will no doubt come of age at some stage. It, it hasn't so far, and unfortunately, the, the early results of people trying to overlay digital information alongside surgeons' visual data hasn't really helped, um, but I have no doubt this will be the way forward. Uh, and I'm quite sure this will be another one of those things that when it's fully mature will we'll probably change the way we, we practice interventional procedures on patients. Do you have a, a view on that, Martin? Have you got anything to add? Uh, it's, I think like Neil, I think the, um, the hype is a little bit ahead of the capability. Um, I think the devices are unwieldy and heavy. Um, the pain of vision that you get from them is too narrow. Um, so I think right now, uh, you know, in terms of specialist use, I mean, I say all of that, and then the whole planet goes mad chasing uh, to, to see augmented reality take off on people's devices, ch ch chasing Pokemons around. Done that? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've got an impressive collection, in fact. Impressive collection, yeah. I remember <laughs> my uh, my ten-year-old taking me to the park in London, where there were literally thousands of people walking around the park, chasing around in, into each other, into maybe. each other, um, into into the lake. It, it was an <laughs> it was an amazing thing. So you know, you don't need 
super fancy technology for simple things to work, um, but I think for complex things, it's early doors. Absolutely. Let's grab another egg. I'm thinking a couple more. A couple more. Um, okay, what have we got here? Um, silos. Nah. Silos. Now, I was having a debate with my colleague Richard before this. He said, we definitely can't leave silos in there. It's going to be irrelevant. And I said, no, it's not. Everything we're talking about is about silos. These are the things that need to be unpicked and provided uh, they cause problems. What, where, where do you stand on, in terms of um, organisational or technical silos? I know silos is a fantastic term for selling things, isn't it? It's like you take, <laughs> take the word silo away and what would the IT industry have left? So, I mean, the IT industry has been promising to abolish silos with ever better technology, you know, forever. Um, and what we what we get with traditional technology is just ever more silos. You know, every batch of new technology that promises to get hold of this silo or that creates another silo. Um, now, this new technology around AI, of course, yep. uh, provides us with a, a realistic opportunity to to completely hide that. But time will tell. So yes, nobody wants silos apart from computer salespeople. Absolutely. Do you, do you have anything to add to that, Neil? Or uh, no, I think um, I think it's been it's a, it's a it's a it's a huge problem, isn't it? I think it's probably the fundamental problem that's affected the whole way IT has has has, uh, has limited the way healthcare has gone forward. To be honest with you, I think it's uh, it's one of those number one targets that if AI is going to be this new paradigm shift in in what we do, I think it's going to be one of the main targets it needs to address. Would, would you agree that, uh, that, that siloing, particularly from an IT perspective? in a healthcare organisation like the NHS has has become a particular problem and that's that's something I see just as an end user if you like where I present with an issue on one side of the country and then come home to a, com a completely different part of the country to to get kind of follow up and suddenly information has disappeared it's, there's a different system in one place and over in, in another is that that's my perception of it for, as an end user. Is that something that's endemic and that, that maybe AI can solve? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's just a shame that the, you know, the government made such a concerted effort to try and tackleize, tackle that a couple of years ago with, I can't remember what the, the, sort of the project was, but some sort of big NHS in, uh, digital integration. And it's quite clear that they, they, they did that before the technology was potentially available to do that. I think there's lots of interesting... Um, ways that the AI could potentially solve that. Um, I think it's uh, you know potentially using things like blockchain to hold patient data. Um, yeah. I think you know integrating that with complex AI uh, to produce personalised uh, you know personalised medicine is is probably where we want to go with with with, with medicine and AI. Um, and I think you're right. I think data silos. Have been a, a you know a really huge problem with medicine. I think at the heart of all of these terms, but particularly this one, there's a sort of irreducible truth, and the irreducible truth around silos is is fundamentally around the technology, um, and the reason that you have lots and lots of silos is because that's the way databases are structured, it's the way they're deployed. Um, if you look at the way Google and uh, Bing search platforms work, you don't have even though you're talking about you know, vast corpus of information, you don't have a silo. Um, you're able to you know, span all of it. And you, you're able to do that because they're using a different form of technology. They're using a, um, a graph 
based technologies, which is a fundamentally different way of storing and managing information. And with AI, and that's what graph technologies are, uh, you have a fundamentally different way of doing things. So the, the irreducible truth changes, you know, from one platform to another, and with it comes opportunity. Right. So maybe this time around, we'll, we'll replace them. I think it's worth just sort of following up on that as well. I think one of the, the problems we've had is, is, is just how databases work. Databases are there to store data. You know, they are invariably not designed to present the user with, you know, with data in any useful or complex way. Um, so, so databases are designed to store data in silos that are not necessarily easily obtainable for end users. And I think that's where AI and, uh, and sort of uh, graph style applications of that are potentially a game changer for this because it allows that data to be presented to the user in a way that's useful for them rather than in a way that's useful for the database and how it simply stores that information. Great. So um, uh, let's, have, uh, let's have one more egg if you're, if you're up for that. It's a yellow one, which is exciting because we haven't had one so far. Customer centricity. There you go. How does a surgeon feel about it? It's interesting. The One of the NHS's phrases, at least one of the hospitals I worked at, was putting the patient at the centre of everything that we do. And I was always disappointed when that that phrase seemed to have lost ground uh, into sort of newer newer jargon I, I certainly think that certainly as a doctor everything you do is trying to do it for the patient you know I guess the difficulty becomes when resources are inadequate sometimes you're trying to do it for a patient population and you're trying to provide care that's best for a patient population but that's very difficult if you're at the very sharp end of medicine and you have an individual patient in front of you um, I think in general doctors go wrong when they move away from trying to put the patient that they are caring for at the centre of, of all their activities. Um, and that's certainly the way I've, I've always tried to practice medicine myself. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really want to do it any other way. Um, but as Neil's saying, when that's applied to healthcare, then we end up back at the, 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 the traditional problems. Um, if the system is so busy stretched and trying to is it you know the, at, at the very breaking point um, it's very difficult to, uh, to to provide that kind of focus because it takes time costs money essentially um, and again you know if, if we talk about our specific approach to that um, customer uh, centricity is, is really about understanding the customer and then communicating with them you know as, as founding principles um, an AI has the ability to process, to look at data en masse, to predict behaviours, to therefore personalise. Uh, and conversational interfaces have the ability to connect with people in a way that's very difficult to do without it. So um, the, the, the new technology provides, I think, a potential to, to challenge those kind of problems in a way that don't require the entire service to be reinvented. Um, so yeah, customer centric. Well, what a great one to end on. I think that's because everything ultimately is customer centric, and 
AI simply seems to me a way to bring that customer, and the customer, of course, may be the the patient or uh, and a, a user of any kind of public services, I suppose, um, closer to the actual technology itself, without necessarily seeing the technology, but mm. to get a more instantaneous and more productive response from it. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Uh, there's a bunch of busy people at the other end of the room trying to come up with new things for you to do with your clever stuff um, and you probably want to go and uh, join them so I won't hold you up anymore thanks very much for your time great talking to you cheers power up your day with the bulletin brief the latest news insights and opinion delivered straight to your inbox subscribe now at digitalbullet.in